Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mostly NBA podcast. This is episode five and I'm Michael Higgins. And I'm Matt LaVey. And we are alone today. We have uh, Jacob and Cam sitting uh, this one out. They had other duties to get to. So me and Matt are going to try to bring you all the news that you need uh, in the NBA and elsewhere around sports. Um, And I wanted to get right into it, just sort of talking about um, the Eastern Conference leading into the All-Star break. I know we had uh, an episode sort of you know, looking at the the big stories player-wise, the big stories team-wise, like how things were shaping up headed into the All-Star break, which um, is, I believe, this coming weekend or next week? This weekend, yeah. Yeah, so um, that should be fun. But I think uh, a couple things that we missed out on that have uh, certainly become bigger topics over the last few weeks are the rise of that second tier in the East. You know, you have Cleveland leading the pack, but not by much. Um, you know, followed pretty closely behind by Boston, Washington, Atlanta, and Toronto, four teams that are kind of all within several games of each other and all playing very competitive basketball, um, looking at different situations, some trying to acquire players, some sort of dumping players, but staying um, competitive. And that's kind of what we've seen in the East, and I, I'm not quite sure what to think of it. Um, it's definitely exciting. I'm just not quite sure who uh, to expect to come out of there. Um, I think Boston's been really hot lately. Isaiah Thomas... I think, as I mentioned last episode, has just been playing great, uh, much better than he has in his career. He's showing that he's a, a true star in the NBA, a true star of a team that you can rely on down the stretch in a game, and hopefully for Boston fans in a series, in a playoff series. Um, I think Washington has completely turned around and become a threat in the East that they definitely weren't just the first half of the season. Um, and I don't know what that was due to, but uh, John Wall, Otto Porter, Bradley Beal starting to really click, and Washington has become a very competitive team and one that teams are not happy to see um, on a nightly basis. Um, getting into Atlanta, that's kind of the team I was referring to. They've they've lost some faces there, um, but they've kind of stayed afloat. They've kind of learned how to make it work. You know, there were a lot of rumors flying that they were trying to dump Paul Millsap after the Kyle Korver trade, uh, but Paul Millsap has hung around. Dwight Howard is quietly having a pretty good season. And, uh, you know, Atlanta continues to um, stay in that top half of the East. And then a little bit more surprising, Toronto has um, seen themselves as high as two in the East, the two seed uh, this year. And depending on how the season started, I don't think they were ever one, but I think they were two for a while. They've dropped down to that fifth seed in the East, um, but certainly, you know, two, three and four still in reach because of how close the East has been, um, but Toronto, you know, trying to stay afloat. They just traded uh, Terrence Ross and a future first-round pick, I believe a 2017 first-round draft pick to the Orlando Magic um, for Serge Ibaka, get some more size inside there, um, some size that they actually lost to the Magic in Bismack Biombo over the offseason. So a lot of teams are vying for those uh, first three, four seeds in the East because I think they're all attainable right now. I think Cleveland, you know, losing J.R. Smith and now just recently losing Kevin Love after a knee scope that'll keep him out for six weeks you know, I think that that's something that they don't exactly have locked down. They've got to bring it every night to make sure that they stay above these teams that are coming for them. Um, So I think that the East is kind of in a very good kind of disarray. Um, And, you know, heading into the All-Star break, it'll be fun to see how these teams pick it up going into the second half. And then looking towards the bottom of the East, you know, you've got Indiana, um, a team that I definitely thought was going to be competitive. They were actually my dark horse seed uh, my, my dark horse two seed pick in the beginning of the year. Um, they certainly haven't been that competitive, but I think you know any team that has Paul George, Jeff Teague, um, and Miles Turner, you know, is definitely a force to be reckoned with. So I think they have a hold on their playoff spot. Um, getting below that, you know, you get into Chicago, Detroit, Milwaukee. Um, not much there. I mean, Chicago's trying to keep it afloat. Um, kind of a weird team, weird situation. 
Detroit, I think, is much better than they are playing. They're below 500 right now, and, I mean, that must be driving Stan Van Gundy just all kinds of nuts. But, um, you know, I think he's going to... I just see them getting hotter. I see them ending the season on a strong note, and I really don't see them in that eighth seed again. Um, I was saying to Matt before the show, actually, last year when they were at that eighth seed in the playoffs, it seemed like they were an eighth seed that was on the rise, you know, a team that was really starting to get it together, and in these next few years would be, you know, up in that three to six range. Um, and so Detroit at the eight right now is a little weird to me. Um, I think, like I said, I think they turn it on towards getting towards the end of the season. I think they pass up Chicago. I think they have a good chance of passing up Indiana as well. But, you know, the teams that are kind of right out of that playoff push, you know, the Milwaukee's, the Charlotte's, I just, I don't think there's much going there. I don't think there's much that they can lean on. I think any chance that Milwaukee had um, might have gone out the window with Jabari Parker uh, tearing his ACL for a second time. So I just think the East is, is kind of past Indiana. I think it's pretty pretty bad, honestly. But, you know, to have six teams, um, you know, that are that are really, truly competitive, I think is good for that conference, especially in years past where they've only had like three. So um, I don't know, Matt, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the East. It's, it pretty much is what it is um, at the bottom of the conference, at least. Uh, the top, like I said, it's sort of sort of mashed up and we'll see how that happens and that's pretty exciting but um i mean yeah the bottom's pretty boring so i don't know what what you uh what you think about that second half of the east yeah so i mean as far as like these teams i guess you can look at on the bubble right now you know you touched on milwaukee that was just a really really obviously just devastating loss for them losing jabari parker a score and a playmaker like him is just uh gonna really put a dent in their season Obviously, uh, right now as a Heat fan, it, we just went through a pretty pretty interesting time for us, huh? Thirteen game win streak, uh, but finally came to an end about a week ago or so with uh, with Philadelphia defeating us. Obviously, out of all the teams that could beat us yeah. to end a thirteen game winning streak, uh, of course it would be the Seventy Sixers. But hey, we'll take a thirteen game streak anytime. Yeah, Mike. I mean, looking at the bottom right now of the Eastern Conference, as far as I guess the team that's really the hottest right now, it's undoubtedly been. <laughs> No, no pun intended on this one. The hottest team has definitely been the Heat so far. Um, you know, they went on that huge 13-game win streak. Things were just really clicking for them. Dion Waiters and Goran Dragic were just playing really, really good basketball for them. And they're a team that's certainly on the rise right now. Now, I don't know if that's going to continue just because they still don't have that dominant playmaker. And, and to be honest, in order to sustain, you know, consistency in this league, consistently winning, you know, night after night, you know, throughout the whole entire course of a season, they're going to need, you know, that dominant playmaker. You know, you have guys on teams, I guess, like Cleveland, LeBron, you know, look throughout the league, you have playmakers. Miami still, though, just doesn't have that playmaker. And I just don't know how far um, they're going to they're gonna continue to, to keep this up, really. Yeah, what you were saying about, you know, Miami with the playmaker, um, I think they've sort of been trying to rely on guys that are not playmakers. And that had, that got them through that streak. Um, and, you know, because of that, it actually has gotten them into the playoff discussion. But, you know, I think you're right. I think in either of these conferences, when you're vying for one of those last spots and you're coming into the playoffs facing one of those top teams, unless you have a guy to rely on, you don't really have much hope to rely on. Other than that, not much change in the NBA in the last few weeks. Uh, the West has remained pretty stable, um, what with Golden State and San Antonio uh, kind of leading that pack. So we'll kind of see how the bottom of that conference shakes out eventually. But, yeah. It's been uh, it's been pretty unchanging uh, for most of the season. No doubt about that, Mike. I mean, honestly, just the story of the year in the Western Conference is still just the same two teams repeatedly doing their thing. Obviously, Golden State's just kicking butt right now. Um, and then San Antonio, another interesting stat for the Spurs. We always talk about their greatness and their stability 
year after year, but this marks their 20th consecutive winning season. How crazy is that? I That's mean, to have that to have that kind of consistently for that many years. I mean, that's unbelievable. I think that's just a big testament to Greg Popovich and just the ownership of uh, that organization. They found a way to run their team. They found a way to run that organization in a winning way. They built a culture there. And um, just the fact that it's still there after 20 years is is just amazing. And it's something that um, definitely should be celebrated. Uh, I don't think even just within the NBA, I think across all sports, because you know, I've, I've said this before. I think the Spurs, along with, you know, like the Cardinals and the MLB, I think those are some of the best run franchises in sports right now. So um, I think that's definitely it's a great stat. But honestly, not even that surprising because, you know, they've come to kind of just go along with the word greatness. Like you think greatness, you think the Spurs, you think that dynasty um, and just the fact that, you know, a lot of those players have started to move on and they've still continued um, their success and continue to even build in a different direction, but still maintain, um, you know, how good they've been is just, is just amazing. All right. We've reached the segment of the show where the mostly comes in. We're going to talk about other sports right now. Um, you know, a little bit old news, but that Super Bowl was definitely crazy. Um, I don't think any of us were right. We, we I think we all picked. Oh we, no, we did we, pick the Patriots. We picked the Patriots, but we certainly not like that. Not like that. <laughs> definitely not like that. Uh, definitely a Super Bowl for the ages. Um, one of the best football games I've ever seen. Uh, I was not thrilled with the outcome, but if they were gonna win, might as well do it in the most legendary way ever. Like that was, it was honestly awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad it, that it happened in that way where we got such a great game, such a classic Super Bowl. Um, I'm very happy in these last few days, especially because uh, baseball has returned. Spring training pitchers and catchers have reported, and actually a lot of full squads um, have unofficially reported to camp and started doing workouts. And it's just baseball starting in the spring is always just such like a renewing feeling for me, you know, to have something like that every day um, because it's, it, it is an everyday sport. You got things going on every day. In baseball across the MLB, you always have games. Um, in spring training, it's it's just excitement. Everybody's excited. Even if you're a team that you know you're not going to be that great, there's always just some sort of hope, um, you know, when spring comes around. So great to have baseball back, um, and we'll definitely be talking about that um, as it gets closer to opening day and as we get into the season. But right now, we're going to look at uh, college basketball. That's, um, you know, outside of the NBA, you know, th- that's pretty much the other sport that's in season right now. Um Sorry to the NHL. Sorry to Cam. Sorry, Cam. But, uh, yeah, I, I think college basketball has been, you know, really, really exciting this year. There's not really that one team that is dominant. There's not really that one team that everybody expects to win a championship. So um, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of wide open. Um, so, Matt, I know you watch a lot of college basketball. What do you think about, um, you know, sort of how that's shaping up with uh, – you know, the top, you know, 10 or 15 or so teams. Yeah. So, I mean, for me personally, just like you kind of touched on uh, college basketball, what I love about it the most is it's so wide open. I mean, what countless times this year, week after week, we've had teams where, you know, multiple top 10 teams, even multiple top five teams have gone down so far this year. Honestly, personally, for me, um, a team that is really on the rise lately, and I know it, you know, kind of seems redundant, but the Duke Blue Devils, they just started out really hot, obviously, and they just went on that span where things weren't clicking. Coach K went out. And uh, just things started to go south, but they're on a track right now, uh, just really playing good basketball right now. Grayson Allen has gotten uh, his head on, you know, a little bit better, right? You know, no more tripping incidents, you know, as of late. So they're playing really good ball. 
As far as Gonzaga goes at number one right now, um, you know, it's kind of tough to tell. I haven't watched too much of them, honestly, per se. I'm not sure uh, a lot of people have, even when they are at the number one spot right now. But um, there's no denying, though, they have beaten, you know, quality teams this year. St. Mary's, um, our own, you know, Florida Gators this year. And um, there's certainly a team to look out for. I just don't know. I still feel like Gonzaga, even though it's a different team this year, just year after year, we always talk about them. We always talk about, you know, how hyped they are as it comes to tourney time. But then they end up losing, you know, their second round or Sweet 16. Um, so who knows? But it's their chance this year. They're certainly on a roll and see if they can turn things around this year come tournament time. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on Gonzaga. I think that they're an interesting case because of the conference they play in. And like you said, a lot of people probably haven't seen them this year. Um you know, we were able to watch them play against Florida. And my takeaway is from that game, you know, certainly they've gotten better since then. That was so early in the season. But they definitely looked like a beatable team. Um, they're very dangerous. But you said it before, and people always say this about Gonzaga. You know, once they hit the tournament, a lot of times they they become, you know, a team that even ranked one, two, three, is a team that is very vulnerable to upsets, I believe. And I think that is due to... Um, their scheduling during the regular season, you know, you run Absolutely. into you run into teams that are you know even ranked as low as you know six and seven that come from very good conferences and have the experience of playing two times a week against um, I, I don't want to say better competition but I want to say more intense competition for a longer period of time. Um, Gonzaga is definitely the class of the WCC um, and. You know, you know, St. Mary's is up there as well. But like we said, they, they played and beat St. Mary's. So, um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see come tournament time. I don't think they're going to win a national championship. I, I wouldn't pick Gonzaga. I probably wouldn't even pick them for the Final Four. But hey, I mean, I guess we'll have to see. They're undefeated as of right now. Let's see how long they can keep that going. Um, probably by the time this episode comes out, they'll have lost <laughs> now that I said <laughs> that. But, um, you know, I think I think the teams that are maybe not most exciting, but most dangerous... Um, in the top 10 right now, I look at teams like Kansas and UCLA, those teams that can score in such high volumes and have really exciting playmakers. Um, I think Josh Jackson is one of the most exciting ones in college basketball right now for Kansas. He can he can take over pretty quickly. And, you know, for somebody who has the kind of lanky build that Jackson has, um, that definitely surprised me the first time I saw him play, even though, you know, he was, you know, such a highly touted recruit and such a big freshman um, in college basketball. But anyway, Kansas, yeah, I think that they're very scary. Um, UCLA, the same way. There's been a lot of good basketball played in the Pac-12 this year, and UCLA and Oregon seem to be the teams that um, have all the pieces put together and are ready to make that push come March. So definitely something that we'll keep tabs on, you know, getting closer to the tournament. You know, we've got the last few weeks of, uh, of conference regular season play coming up before the conference tournaments. Um, before, you know, about a month from now, we turn it over to, in my opinion, uh, the best few weeks in sports, the NCAA tournament. I mean, March Madness, it doesn't really get much better than that. You know, anybody has a chance. You play, you know, you play 40 minutes of basketball and, uh, you know, if you have an off day, you have an off day and you're out. I just think it's one of the best, uh, if not the best playoff in sports. Um, and it always gets me very excited, especially around now when things are starting to really pick up and get going. Teams really have to prove themselves. So, like I said, definitely something we'll monitor, something we'll keep tabs on, and uh, we'll be talking about it a lot more um, coming up in the future. And that's all we got for you guys today here on the Mostly NBA Podcast. We look forward to getting Cam and Jake back for our next episode. But on behalf of Michael Higgins, I'm Matt LeVay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.